Blessed assurance and welcome to Kingdom Christian Fellowship, KCF. We reveal the reality of the Kingdom of God and Christ Jesus in the lives of people all over the world. As you listen to this message, we pray that you are blessed and inspired to improve your relevance in the Kingdom of God. Has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor. Amen. My second scripture will be from Ephesians 4.23. Ephesians 4.23. It says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then my final scripture will be from Romans 12.1 and 2. Romans 12.1 and 2. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Amen. Amen. I believe that we have a lot of believers in the world, or there are so many believers in the world. But not all believers in the world have a renewed mind. There are many believers in the world, but not all believers have a renewed mind. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, Isaiah 1 18, it says, come now, and let us reason together. The Bible says that God, he's the one speaking. He says we should come and we should reason together. Then he says that though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But if you want to reason with God, you have to be on the same wavelength as God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or you think it's not possible. If you are talking to somebody who is still a pilot and maybe you are a first year student in business administration, it will be difficult for you to have a very substantial conversation with the person. Because if the person says, oh, we typically cruise at an altitude of 15,000 feet, your mind cannot even comprehend six feet. Because for you, all you know is business. So maybe you can do well on maybe the ticketing side of the airplane. But when they say, let's press this knob and fly high, you'll be lost. So it takes a certain agreement for reasoning to be together with God. You need a certain form of superior mind or a certain form of supernatural mind if you will be on the same wavelength with God. So many of us we come to church on a regular, we understand or we hear great messages, but our renewed mind is lacking. So we can't comprehend most of the things that God says to us. And I believe that one of the key ingredients that is necessary, if you'll be able to have a renewed mind, is that you need to be humble or meek. The Bible says in the book of Psalm 25 and verse 9, that the humble or the meek God will teach his way. That is to say, if you are to come to God, 
one of the first things you must put on is a garment of humility. Because some of the things that God will say, if you are not careful, your pride will not allow you to agree with God. If I say, for example, for Suya, you are supposed to marry Evan. Hey, I didn't say they are going to get married, though, please. I said, for example, if, for example, for Suya, I say you are to marry Evan. And it is based on maybe something God has told me. And for Suya says, no. Me, I like fair away boys. So I want to marry Revendela. Because you see, Revendela knows the scriptures. He can preach to me. He can dance too. <laughs> if you are not careful, Fosuya's myopic mindset might limit her from walking in the mind and in the will of God. That's why sometimes when they prophesied to some of us, they were like, mm, this thing, no, it's, 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 it's not it. What my feelings are telling me is the other thing. That's why I say that it takes a certain form of humility for you to be able to reason with God. So the Bible says again in the book of Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, he said, if you are willing and obedient, then you shall eat the good of the land. So, many believers, again, but not many are willing and obedient. Many believers. They say, Ghana, we are 70% Christian population. But if I do the statistics of the kind of corruption and things I see, I don't think that we are up to that. It is because of a lack of a renewed mind. Amen. So, like I'm saying, many people say or claim that they are believers, but not many of them are renewed in their mind. In the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul made us understand that everybody has a spirit, a soul, and a body. Everybody. You have a spirit, a soul, and a body. If we study the scriptures carefully, we get to realize that once you say that you want God to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, he will seek to save all these three parts that you have. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. So your spirit, Bible says that your spirit is recreated. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Bible says that if anybody is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. And what has happened what? All things have passed away and what? All things have become new. So your spirit has become new. It has not been modified. It has become new. Maybe you are a goat. Right now, when God recreates you, you become a chicken. This is a new creation. New species. You are not a modified goat. You are a new chicken. <laughs> you are a new chicken. So your spirit becomes new. Then Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 that God now places his Holy Spirit in your temple or your body which becomes his temple. So the Bible says that don't you know that you are the temple of God and his spirit dwells in you. This is still with your spirit man. 
then God will also continue to help you to deal with the other part of you, your body. Somebody say the body. Yeah, the one that you like. You can spend three hours garnishing the body. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, it says, I beat myself and I keep under subjection so that when I have preached, I will not become a castaway. In other words, you have to discipline your body by the Spirit of God. You have to discipline your body. So, so, so I want to be a Christian, Charlie. It's easy. It's just about grace. It's not just about grace. <laughs> it's not the, the, the grace of God is there. It's time to pray. You are sleeping. Oh, Charlie, grace has covered everything. No. You beat your body and you bring it under subjection. Sometimes, Charlie, the sleep is calling you. But that scripture must ring a bell that Charlie, discipline. So he said, I bring what? I discipline my body and I bring it into what? Subjection. Yeah, I know you don't like this kind of words. You think I'll say something like, I bring it into liberality. Where you can choose whatever it is you like. But the Bible says you bring it into subjection. Oh, ye feminist, Oh, ye chauvinists. He said, I beat my body and I bring it under subjection. That means the Holy Ghost will become your new compass. <laughs> Maybe you want to go for a party. They say, don't go. Holy Ghost said, don't go. You have to sit down. So, oh, no, I'll go. I'll plead the blood. No. <laughs> he said, I beat my body and I bring it into subjection. Amen. So, your body too must undergo a certain form of salvation or change. And the Holy Ghost, he will become the new compass for you. Amen. Then when it comes to the component that I want to look at, which is the mind, or oftentimes the Bible is sometimes referred to as the soul. The soul also has certain work that has to be done on it, or the mind has certain work that has to be done on it. And we know that our soul is made up of what? Emotion, your will, your intellect, okay, your mind. So these three parts, they also have to be dealt with. Your emotions, when I was coming this morning or yesterday, we are having a discussion, myself and my wife, and we are talking about emotions. Hey, Charlie. No, my roommate. <laughs> we are talking about emotions. And I said that you can't just have loose emotions. Oh, I mean, I'm saved. That's all that counts. My emotions, they, they can run wild. Sometimes when I'm driving and I meet those people, you know those people I'm talking about, can become so angry and so wild. Then when I finish, I say, oh God, forgive me. My emotions, they still have to be brought under subjection or in check. It's the same way for each and every one of us. So that part of your soul, your emotion, it also needs some form of governance. Look at what David said in the book of Psalm 139 and verse 21. He said, do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? David is trying to say that the things that God hates, my emotions too hate them. The things that God hates, he hates them. Simple. He doesn't have a preference. Oh, okay, you know, you see, God, this thing, you need to add some mercy to it. because you see, No, the things that God hates, he hates them. 
So your emotions too, they have to be brought into a certain form of check by God. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11, one day, when King Saul had become king, there was a certain king called Nahash. And he wanted the children of Israel to enter into a certain covenant. He said, I'll remove one eye. And I'll collect all the eyeballs from each and every one of you. And that will be the covenant. That right now, you people, you are my slaves. But the Bible says in the verse 6 of the first Samuel chapter 11, he said, then the spirit of God, it came upon Saul when he heard his news. His anger was greatly aroused. In other words, God made him angry. And he said, no, this thing will not happen. I will kill this Kenash. So your emotions, they can be ruled by God. So those of us here who think that, oh, Charlie, me, my emotions, they Charlie, I always let them run wild. Like this morning when I wake up, I'm happy. Tomorrow I'm not happy. You can't tell me anything. No. God has a, 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 a way in your emotions. He has a hand in your emotions. That's why he can tell you not this guy or not this girl. In actual fact, the Bible makes us understand that you can direct your heart. You can direct where your heart is going. You can change the compass of your heart by the leading of God. So, your will, it also has to be subjected to God. The other day, just before Jesus would die, he was praying in the garden and he said, not my will, but your will, O Lord. So, your will too, it must be subjected to God. So, oh, I have free will. I can do anything I want. You are not under God's governance. God is not leading you. You are leading your own self. If you are truly under God's governance, you will submit even your will, your free will. You see, that's the beauty about God. Though. He gives you free will, but he says still subject the free will to him. If you are not careful, it's like a trick question. I give you free will. Will you do this? And you say, yes, no. Then he has caught you. So you have a free will, but God still expects you to subject that free will to him so that his will will be done in your life. Amen. So another component that must be dealt with is our mind. Our mind. The Bible says that when you are not saved or when you don't believe in God, your mind is darkened. Or your mind is blinded by the devil. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Bible says that those who do not believe, the God of this world, he has blinded them. Those who don't believe, the God of this world, he has blinded them. So their minds are darkened. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, the moment you begin to believe in God, Bible says that there's a certain light that shines in your mind. So your mind becomes enlightened. But your mind does not automatically become renewed. That's where I want us to deal with. Your mind, it becomes enlightened. Bible says that for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, which is in the face of Jesus. So your mind, it gets a certain form of light. But the renewing of the mind, that is where the work begins. So that is the main portion that I want us to look at. And so I want us to look at developing a renewed mind and the journey to developing that renewed mind. I believe that the first point 
to developing a renewed mind is that you have to forsake your old mind. <laughs> if you want a new mind, you have to forsake your old mind. If you have an old iPhone and you want a new one, what must happen? Yes, you have to drop the old iPhone and pick the new one. Unless you're a Kumasi burger, then you can have two phones or three phones. They keep on calling and calling. So the first step to receiving or walking in a renewed mind is to forsake your old mind. In the book of Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 7 to 9. Isaiah 57, 7 to 9. It says, Is that my scripture? Isaiah 57. 55, sorry. Isaiah 55, 7 to 9. Isaiah 55. He said, let the wicked forsake his way. Isaiah 55. He said, let the wicked, what should he do? Forsake his way. What is way? Let's break way down. Way down is simply how you do something or the methodology of doing something. How you do something. Bible says that let the wicked man let him forsake his way. Let him what? Forsake his way. And the unrighteous, let him forsake what? His thoughts. So there are certain thoughts that you were thinking before you were born again. Um, I submit to you, the moment Jesus Christ comes into your life, those thoughts, they don't disappear. You can testify. Maybe for you, you like girls who look like Coca-Cola. And the moment you accepted Jesus Christ, you thought that all of a sudden, it will go. But the thing is still there. In fact, the more you come to church every day, the more you see Coca-Cola girls, the more you look at them. Or maybe you are here, you are a girl, and you like guys who are muscular, tall, fine, chisel-shaped. Like Kelvin. And you are thinking that, Charlie, the moment you come to God, Charlie, all of a sudden, that mind will leave. It will not leave you. It will be there strong until you forsake that way. I'm not saying that don't like guys who are, maybe yours is that one. Yes. Yeah. Because we're the short people too. We have to marry. Yes. So we have to say our own too. <laughs> So you don't know who God will give you. Okay? But the Bible says that let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous, let yourself forsake his way. So the first step on the journey to walking or developing a renewed mind is you have to forsake your way. This is because, let's continue reading. He says, for my thoughts, are not your thoughts. So God is telling you that my thoughts are not your thoughts. It is very true. The things that you think of, those are not the things that God is thinking of. You think God is sitting there thinking about, hey Charlie, Kaiser gave us some assignment, bio. if I don't do it, what do I... That's not what God is thinking about. Then he said what? My ways too, they are not your ways. He said that my ways, me God, my ways, they are not your ways. So don't think that I am sitting in heaven or I am here on earth with people and that's what I'm thinking about. That's what he's thinking about. Let's take an example. The Bible says that what? In Proverbs 23 verse 4, he said, labor not to be rich. 
Labor not to be what? Rich. Labor not to be rich. I think the King James Version. He says, labor not to be rich. Then he says, cease from thy own wisdom. Or cease from this way of thinking. But what does the world teach us? Labor to be rich. Work hard. Eight to five. Eight to nine. Over time. Saturday, Sunday. Bonus. Over time. When you're on holiday, crowd work. When you're at fire camp, crowd work. Because Pharaoh is calling. But the Bible says that labor not to be rich. And I tell you, the day I saw this scripture, I said that it's okay. I would rather labor to be blessed than labor to be rich. Because if you look at the scripture, all those who followed God's way, they end up being rich. Rich is like a, it's a it's bonus. Solomon, he said, ah, me, I don't want money. I want understanding so that I can govern these people that you've given to me. Bible said, correct for 100 points. I will give you riches. Bonus. <laughs> and Solomon's riches, they surpassed all the riches of everybody on the earth. Till date, he's dead and gone. But we still think that Solomon is the richest man in the world. But you that you have been laboring to be rich. You have been laboring. Every day you are on your Instagram. Charlie, will you buy Will you not buy? Will you buy? Will you not buy? Pre-order. Money before delivery. <laughs> Slide into my DMs for price. And you have been laboring and laboring and laboring. And you ask yourself, you and the blessed man, what is the difference? You see, it's because of your understanding, your mind. For you, you see wealth as, oh, riches, wow, that's the ultimate. Summa cum laude, riches, that's the, no, that's not the only way. The Bible said that those who are blessed, riches is a bonus. Abraham was blessed, riches was a bonus. Isaac was blessed, riches was a bonus. Jacob, he was blessed, riches was a bonus. So God's ways, they are not your ways. Take another example, prayer. Maybe you come to me, oh, I am, you see, I'm, it's that time of the month, cramps. Then I say, receive your healing. In what world does receive your healing solve menstrual problems? Because you see, the ways of the world is that maybe take, um, eh, I nearly said Kuatem. Panadol. Take Panadol, three doses. Take them in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. It will reduce the pain. But God says that you can have healing just by believing in me and crying out to me for healing. So God's ways, again, it is far superior than man's ways. Far superior. So the first step is to forsake your way. The first step is to what? Forsake your way. Forsake your thoughts. Forsake that old way that you have been using to think. That you think that your lady's mind is a dream be. Nobody can compare to it. Bible says that let the wicked man, let him forsake his way. If we look at our scripture which we read in Romans chapter 11, the Bible makes us understand that God's mind 
it cannot be easily comprehended. In Romans chapter 11, verse 34, I believe that's what we read. He said, all the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable. You see, that's where the question is. The Bible said the thing is unsearchable, so how will you search for it? He has already placed a limitation to your search. That if you use your own way to search the mind of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, Bible says that it is unsearchable. It's like I say, I've put one million dollars here and I'll show you where it is. Find it. How will you find it? Unless you are something. <laughs> so he said that God's mind, it is far superior. That means you need something to help you search God's mind. And the best person to search God's mind is the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 3, 16, I believe. He said, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In other words, the moment you begin to say that, okay, I am leaving this my way. I am leaving this my thinking. I am leaving this my understanding. I want to now follow God's way. Bible said that all of a sudden, the veil will be taken away. Then the Bible says in the verse 17 that you will then be given access. What we say is liberty. He said, now the Lord is the spirit or the spirit is the Lord. And where that spirit is, there is liberty. If that liberty there is not talking about a hey, freedom. Hey, Charlie, we can go and dance and enjoy ourselves. Because right now there we are saved. The blood is speaking. Hey, me, Jimmy, Nisa. No. He's talking about access. So he's saying that because now you have turned to the Lord, now you have a certain access into the mind of God. So the moment you forsake your way and you do a turn and you say, now, Father, I will follow your way. Bible says that the spirit of the Lord, he will be ready to help you and to show you God's way. So God's way is superior and you need the spirit of God to be able to show you the way. One of the scriptures I love is Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26. Because when I read it, I feel God is talking to me directly. He said, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. You can put your mind there. He said, my son, give me your mind and let your eyes observe my ways. So the moment you forsake your way, like I'm saying, and you say that, Father, I want your way. I want what you want for me. All of a sudden, your eyes will start beginning to see God's way. All of a sudden, scriptures like labor not to be rich, it will start to make sense to you. Because now you have turned where you are going and now you are following what God wants for you. Amen. So, God wants us to first of all, if we will have a renewed mind, forsake our way. Amen. Then the second point on the path to having or developing a renewed mind, is you must know the purpose of a renewed mind. You must know the purpose of a renewed mind. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, which I believe we've read, Romans 12, 2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. In order for you to have a renewed mind, you need to know the purpose of a renewed mind. And one of the reasons why God wants us to have a renewed mind is so that we can prove 
The Bible says that so that you may what? Prove. When you are reading the Bible, you have to take your time and see what the thing is saying. It's not um, text and meaning that we are doing. It's not data structures. So he said, so that you may prove. So when you are reading it, and maybe you get there and say, okay, this proof, what does it mean? Look for another translation and see what he's saying. The word proof there, you can put experience. So God wants us to have a renewed mind so that we can experience his good and perfect and his pleasing will. If you don't have a renewed mind, you can never experience what God wants for you. Again, like the example I gave, it was an example that if I say Fosua should marry Evan. Example. If she doesn't prove or experience the mind of God, she will not be able to act out that perfect will of God for her life. So, the purpose or the one of the first purpose of a renewed mind is so that you can experience God's will. The Bible says what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, God is a very good palm wine tapper. He believes in his palm wine. He knows that Charlie is correct. Every day is sweet. So he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. So God wants you to experience his will. That's the first purpose for a renewed mind. So that you can experience his good and his perfect and well-pleasing plan for your life. Let's look at a case study. In the book of Luke chapter 15, about the prodigal son. Bible said that there were two. One was the prodigal son. One was the unprodigal son, if you want to put it that way. One of them decided that, you know what? I want to do what I want to do. I want to walk in my way. I want to walk in my own mind. I want to walk in what I believe is best for me. But the other son said that, no, me, I want to experience what my father has for me. So I'll stay with my father. So one began to prove the mind of God. Being loyal, staying in the house, working, making sure that Charlie, I'm here for my dad. When the time is right, my inheritance. But another person said that, you know what? Me, I'm on a chilling spree. I'm chilling. Ah. When I'm tired, I'll come back. <laughs> so you see that one of them, he began to experience certain things. The other one too, we began to experience the other side of things. It's rather unfortunate that the unprodigal son, when the time came for him to show a certain kind of mercy, he became a very wicked person. But one person was ready to forsake his way and another person was not ready to forsake their way. So in our proving the mind of God, we need to be careful of the fact that our ways are not always the best. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 16 and verse 25, he said that for man, there is a way, it seems right in our eyes, but the end of, those who, of that way is the way of death. So our ways will not always lead us to what God wants, us, what God wants for us. It sometimes may lead us into the way of death. It sometimes may lead us into the way of death. So the first reason why you must have a renewed mind or why you must know the purpose of a renewed mind is so that you can experience God's perfect will for your life. Amen. Another reason why you must experience 
or know the purpose of a renewed mind is so that you can be transformed. In the same scripture that we read, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans 12, 2. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That means another benefit of a renewed mind is transformation. And when we are talking about transformation here, we are not just talking about modification. Transformation is an entire complete change. It's an entire and a complete change. For example, for most of the ladies here, sometimes certain spots may come on your face and certain marks and scars may come on your face due to certain unforeseen circumstances and situations. And our go-to solution is that we find maybe Mary Kay or Fenty or something like that. And then we apply first the oil on our face. Then when we finish, we touch it up with the powder. And the purpose of all of these things is so that we can deceive certain people. <laughs> it is so that we can deceive certain I didn't mention the boy that you are deceiving but it's so that you can deceive certain people maybe you are deceiving yourself Ah, you are deceiving yourself first then maybe you understand what I'm saying but that thing that you have done that you believe so much that Charlie have hidden everything we all know that by the time the day comes to an end and you stand under your glorious shower and the water begins to run down your face, all of a sudden, the same dust that God used to create the earth, it starts to fall in the same bathtub in which you are in. This is because that is not a transformation. That's a modification. So many men here, on your wedding days, you received a modified wife. Maybe wife 2.0. Modified for the wedding. Then maybe, okay, the Sunday they will modify again. So maybe the Monday, then you receive the original. You receive the original version that you were supposed to receive. And if you are not careful, that's when you begin to say things like, Jacob, who are you? I didn't call for this one. So, we are looking for a transformation. And God is looking for a transformation, not a modification. So, when you come for um, things like camp, don't look for modification. Say, oh, you are here, you are struggling with an addiction. And then you are just there, oh, you know, maybe they'll deal with it in the prayer topic. So, let me not go forward. What you are doing is modification. When you come forward and the Spirit of God visits you through the servant of God, that is when the transformation can begin to take place. So God is looking for transformation. And when God says a transformation, he's talking about a complete change that starts from within. It's like a, I forget my science, maybe like a metabolic process. Complete change. Maybe if you want your spots to clear, for example, maybe it's the food you've been eating. So maybe you, start, you have to start eating vegetables and some other good foods. Maybe you have been eating trophy for a long time. Switch it up. Maybe start eating fish. 
and vegetables. You realize that all of a sudden your metabolism will start to work the thing out. Then all of a sudden the spots will begin to clear. That is a transformation. Because that one, whether you put Fenty or not, we'll see the real thing. <laughs> so God wants us to have a transformation. That is another purpose of a renewed mind. He wants there to be a complete change in Kezia's life, in Denise's life. He wants there to be a complete transformation. Not that every year, fire camp, you come. Fire, three days, four days, five days. Then you leave. But if there's a true transformation and the spirit of God is working on your mind, you begin to now work and agree with God. And like Bible says, you can reason with God. If God says, no, leave this thing, you can really leave the thing. If God says, follow this thing, you can really follow it. If God says, do this thing, you can then do it. Because the transformation has started to take place. So, a second purpose of the renewed mind, like we are saying, is so that there will be a transformation. And the person or the people who help us with this transformation is one, the word of God. Two, the spirit of God. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding us in a mirror. Mirror there is the word of God. He says, the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And many times, I realize that many believers will leave out the last part. He said, just us by the spirit of the Lord. So the spirit of the Lord and the word of God, when they combine together, it becomes a highly inflammable dose in your body. And all of a sudden, the transformation begins to take place. There are many of us here, when we read the Bible, all we see is gibberish. You may use strongs. You may use your concordance. You may use um, harmony of the gospels. Uh, you use different things. Takes annotated Bible. Strong's annotated Bible. The teacher's Bible. Vines something. Thompson chain reference. You use everything, but you don't see anything. It's because you are looking at the mirror of the word, but the spirit of God is not helping you. When I take a scripture, for example, I can read a particular scripture over and over and over. And then sometimes I begin to ask myself, is this not a symptom of something is happening wrong with your mind or something? But that is how God works. You may be looking at a particular scripture over and over and over. You may not get inspiration there and then. But maybe as you are going about the day, all of a sudden something will just happen to you. Then the scripture will begin to make sense. All of a sudden. Maybe even three days will elapse. They maybe are sitting in the car. Then maybe somebody says something. Then the thing will connect. Then all of a sudden it's like something is being rearranged in your mind. That's because you are looking at the mirror of the word with the Holy Ghost. So these are the two agents that are responsible for the transformation work that we are looking for. So if you are looking for transformation and you, all you are using is your you version reminder every day. Verse of the day. Hebrews 12, 10. Then you read it. Oh, wow. This is a powerful word. Then you go. Tomorrow, Proverbs 2, 5. Hey, Charlie, this new version is really helping you. Hey, I didn't used to read my Bible, but all of a sudden, every day I have a verse. Wow. This is deep. 
you are cutting the lifeline of fellowship. In other words, some, somebody sitting in San Francisco somewhere is using some algorithm and he's giving you scriptures every day. And for all you know, maybe that person is even an atheist. And he's directing the course of your fellowship with God. Say, ah, I've got him. <laughs> Pass here. Then you go. But God is looking for a fellowship that will bear that transformation. That's how you need to spend more time in the word. In the beginning of the year, for example, one of the things that they made us pray about during the 21 days was that God should make us voracious readers of the word. Yeah, it's a word. You'll never understand. He said, God should make us voracious. God should make us voracious readers of the word. That means God should make you a reader of the word. You never get tired. When you are sleeping, you are reading. When you are eating, you are reading. When you are sitting on the porcelain facility, you are reading. Everywhere you are reading. Everywhere you are reading. Everywhere. In the church, you are reading. Me, sometimes when I'm driving, I'm reading. The police can stop me. Say, Charlie, this one there. Watch it, cute, it's deep. <laughs> but you are asking God to make you a voracious reader of the word. <laughs> a voracious reader of the word. If you look at our father, for example, our father apostle, every time his Facebook posts scripture, I say, hey, how can you find a scripture to post on Facebook every day? This one is not algorithm, it's fellowship. There's no app for this. <laughs> can write, you can, you can put one scripture, Isaiah 55, 17. Hey, you write, huh? I say, hey! Oh, Nale Pros, this is deep. It's deep. Because he, he has a fellowship life. If you are with somebody like maybe like Prophet David, every day be eyes on his phone. Say, ah, what are you doing? You see, it's in the Bible. I say, ah, don't you go to the Facebook and then see what is happening. Won't you talk and take on TikTok or something so that we know what you are doing? Every day. Every day, these guys are on their Bible. God said, hey, God said, only you do every day, God said. Which Bible are you using? I heard in my left. Hey! Some of your left ear has been the new. That's all your lefty has been doing. Since your mother brought you onto this world. My right eye has entered your stomach. God. did your right eye it's here, it jumped into somebody's stomach and you see many of us, we want that kind of transformation, we want our right eyes to be jumping into people's stomachs, but we like modification instead of transformation so the more you are looking for the modification the more your eyes will be fixed in the socket it will never leave the socket Hey, you can even go to the opti optician. Hey, it will be there. Today they'll give you bifocal. Tomorrow they'll multiply it. Because Charlie, you are looking for a modification. A modification is a quick fix to a solution. 
It's like the potholes that we have in the country. They always modify the potholes. Yes, I didn't mention that. I said the country. The country. Maybe it's UK, maybe it's America. You don't know. I said the country. So they always modify. And modifications, they make the problems bigger. For example, if there's a portal and you open up the portal and you put more asphalt and you, you are deepening the portal. So some of the ladies say you can attest to it. The more you apply makeup, the more your face condition it becomes worse. The more you apply the makeup, the more you put it. Maybe you do make it to the first layer. Tomorrow you add another layer. But as you are adding the layers, you are compounding the problem. But if you look for a transformation by the word of God, by the spirit of God, there will be a transformation. Amen. Then the second or the third point on how to develop your re a renewed mind is the law of recognition. The law of recognition. I believe that in life, when you don't know the value of something, you can start abusing the thing. It's very true. For example, if I gave Sugar a Maybach. Yes, Mercedes-Benz Maybach. She likes snails. Maybe she'll just start putting snails inside the car. Snails. She'll be growing snails inside the Maybach. Or drawing on the car. But if I give somebody like maybe Reverend Roland a Maybach. Because he has a love for God and because he understands the purpose of a Maybach he will use that Maybach to drive every day to Brekusu and preach <laughs> it's possible I mean it's not possible even Evan thank you So when you don't know the value of something, you start begin, you just, you don't do the thing anyhow. You just, like some of the girls here, you are in certain relationships, the person doesn't see your value. So when he sees you in the morning, but when it is time for Netflix, say, oh, Charlie, will you to come to my room? Let's just have a good time. All of a sudden, they start cuddling you. Then your mind is just, wow, this guy is so charming. But by the time he has done what he has done, you understand what I'm talking about. What Apostle said yesterday. By the time he has browsed the internet and he's ready for you in the morning, say, oh, you cry. Don't hold good conversations because the guy doesn't see your value in you. He doesn't recognize you. So in life, the law of recognition is very key if you have a renewed mind with God. You have to recognize the value of the mind of God. You have to realize that God's mind is not like my mind because God actually tells us, he brags about his mind. He said that you cannot search my mind. My mind, ah, there's no amount of World Bank, IMF sitting, to, they can never get my mind. There's no app. Google cannot help you with the mind of God. Google can, it cannot help you. It cannot help you. Ask how, it cannot help you. Reddit, it cannot help you. All these apps, they, it can't help you. So you have to recognize that God's mind is a certain form of superior mind. It is, it's deep. Amen. 
Look at what the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 to verse 16. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 16. It said, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. If you continue to the verse 16 of the same chapter, you get to realize that there are certain characteristics about God. Like we read, for example, it said the deep things of God. That means the mind of God, number one, is deep. God's mind is deep. How is it possible that somebody said that before I formed you, I have already ordained you. I've already I've, I've charted the course that you chart on this earth already. It only takes a certain form of superior mind. Me. By the grace of God, I have a child. The, the fathers have been able to think about his future. Is okay, what school will he go to now? That's the fathers. I mean, I can think of other things. Okay, I'll buy him tea bill. I'll sow a seed for him. Even that one cry, God has to show me. But Bible says that God's mind is deep. His mind is deep. Book of Psalm 8. Bible says that when I look at the heavens, when I look at the stars, when I look at the works of your hand, I can't comprehend it. People have been wasting billions and billions of dollars just to go into space to see how it is like. If they would subscribe to the mind of God, God can tell them everything that's there. God can tell them everything. Because God's mind is deep. It is deep. Look at, you see, it, look at, look at, have you seen a star before? What kind of mind does it take to create a star? Let's not go to the stars. Let's stay on the earth. Everybody, when they are building a house, what's the first thing they look for? Foundation. What will you do? You dig. What will you do? You pour cement inside. Pour cement. Pour cement. Plenty cement. So that the foundation will be what? Stable. God to his come to build. He said, oh, I want to build a place where man will stay. Do you know the first thing he did? Water. 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 Then when he finished, he put the building on the water. And up till now, the water has not compromise the integrity of God's building, which is earth. He defied every form of engineering or civil engineering logic. He built his earth on water. Maybe you have not thought about it. 70% of this earth is made up of water. So, if something is 70% and something is 30%, you the less just do greater than. Shouldn't the greater than swallow the less than? But that is the wisdom of God. That is the mind of God. It's deep. You can think about it. You'll never understand it. As we are on the earth, they say the earth is rotating. But I don't feel or you feel it. I don't feel any form of... It feels like I'm very stable here. But they say we are... Shouldn't we all like be moving in a certain form and, you know, like trying to balance. You can't grasp anything. The mind of God is deep. 
mind of God is rich. God's mind, it is rich. The Bible says one day in the book of 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 3, the queen of Sheba, she came to Solomon. He said, Solomon, I'm come to ask him hard questions. Hey, by the time I'm done asking him all these questions, he will realize that actually he is not that deep. But Solomon had a certain small component of the mind of God. And if we study that entire chapter very well, you realize that Solomon answered all her questions. And when he finished, he even gave her more money than she even came with. So when she was leaving, she left with harder questions, I believe. Because the guy had a certain, he just had a small dose of it too. Bible says we, we have the mind of Christ. Solomon, he didn't have the full thing. Just a small dose. And the queen of Sheba couldn't understand him. She said when she entered, when she even saw the guy's servant, he knew that the guy was deep. In fact, when she saw the fact that the guy can have 700 wives, 300 concubines, she knew that the guy is a wise guy. Because you see, it takes a certain form of mind to be able to live with 700 wives, 300 concubines. You see how I'm saying that thing? 700, 300. Because even one, sometimes, if the spirit of God doesn't direct you, every day you'll be in another mess. But the guy had 700, 300, and he put everybody, your house, Felicia, Linda, your house, Pamela, Monica, Jessica, everybody, they were in their own house. Everybody was in their own house. It takes a certain form of rich mind to be able to think that way. So God's mind, <laughs> I'm trying to get you to think somewhere, to recognize something, so that we can do point one, which is forsake our way or forsake our, our mind. God's mind is wise. God's mind, it is wise. In the book of Mark chapter 6, and verse 2, the Bible said that the other day, some people saw Jesus and they wanted to understand that, ah, isn't this the carpenter's son? How did his IQ increase like this? So they said, where did this man get these things? And what kind of wisdom is this? So that such mighty works are performed by his hand. I believe that if Jesus was here in our day, well, I mean, we are here, so he doesn't need to be here. But he will still defy every form of mental and health rules, obligations, and all of those things. Look at an example, for example, of Lazarus. Somebody is dead four days. The embalming and all those things. It's not as strong as our day. Bible said that he said, let him wait, I'll come. Then when he comes to, he doesn't say, okay, let us do an autopsy. Let us see what is wrong with him. Um, can we do something about him? Bible said that he came. He said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Lazarus, come forth. And then the Bible said that Lazarus came out of the grave. It takes a certain form of wisdom to be able to deal with certain things in a particular way. Like, for example, I hear yesterday something happened to one of the ladies here. Maybe you, your wisdom is that, let us take you to Kolebu. When we put drip on you, and the doctor comes, and then they are when they, are, they do okay, everything will be fine with you. But maybe it is the wisdom of God that the man of God will just lay his hands on you and pray for you. That's how wise God's mind is. 
For God's mind is wise. Amen. And then finally, God's mind is superior to our mind. God's mind is superior to our mind. Look at the way of salvation. Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If I have children and they are dying and I have one who is safe with me, if I want to save the other ones, what should I do? Shouldn't I send the other one and make sure he comes back alive? But God said that me, when I'm doing this thing, I will rather kill this my one son so that I can rescue the rest. It defies every form of thinking. So the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, I believe. It says, if the princes of this world knew, they would not have crucified the king of glory. That means they thought that when they were killing Jesus, Charlie, we have ended the story. This guy will never come back to life. But they didn't know that there was a scripture like Genesis 8, verse 22, that before there is harvest, there's a seed time. So God had to be planted into the earth and die like a seed so that he can reap a harvest. That's the superior nature of the mind of God. This is KCF Ministries. Stay connected with us on all our social media platforms at KCF Min on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at KCF Ministries. Keep listening. If we will then appreciate the law of recognition, then we can move to the law of holiness. I believe that another thing that will help us if we are going to be able to have a renewed mind is that we must subscribe to God's law of holiness. And holiness is not, oh, I'm pure, I'm clean, oh, I've not touched. No, holiness is being consecrated. Maybe I say this thing is a water dispenser. It should be used only for water. And somebody puts coke inside. The person has changed it. The thing is no longer holy. It's no longer set apart. The purpose for which I ordained the thing to be used for, you have altered it or you have changed it. For example, coke. If you add salt to coke, you have diluted the thing. It is no longer just Coca-Cola. It has become Coca-Cola plus salt. ORS. So, the law of holiness is also another thing you must pick up on the journey to have a renewed mind. You must recognize that God wants you to be set apart. And God wants you to be in a particular place, doing a particular thing because of his purpose for you. The Bible says in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, he says, who has saved us and has called us to a holy calling. That means the intention of God, it is for a particular purpose. He knows what he wants to do with Eliana. He knows what he wants to do with Dion. You cannot change whatever he wants to do. He has already ordained that you, this is your use. You, this is your use. So when you begin to try to dilute the thing, then you cannot work in what he wants for you. Maybe God wants you to be a pilot. And you say, no, me, I want to be a doctor. You are diluting the mind of God for you. You are altering what God wants for your life. And one of the things that God hates, I believe strongly, is that God hates mixtures. He doesn't like mixture. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Like lukewarm. He doesn't like mixtures. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 19. 
Leviticus 19, 19, I believe. He said, you shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. First point. He said, you shall not sow your field with mixed seed, nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. So God is telling us about three different kinds of things. And he's saying in all these instances, I want the pure form of it. He said, don't what? Mix your livestock with another kind. For example, maybe you have a horse. If you let a horse sleep with a donkey, do you know the animal you get? Eh? Horse. You get a mule. Hey, Charlie. Somebody say monkey. Hey. Hi. I bet the person is a gay girl. He said, you shall not what? let your livestock breed with another. So if you let a horse cross with a donkey, you get a mule. And do you know one strange thing about the mule? The mule is infertile. The mule, it is infertile. It cannot do anything. It's useless. So when you mix things, one of the things that you can be ending up is be, can become useless or infertile in the eyes of God. You can become infertile. That means you don't bring forth. You don't bring fruit. God cannot do it. He doesn't, he doesn't he's drinking. He doesn't know whether he's drinking Coca-Cola or ORS. He's confused. Ah, but I thought this was Coca-Cola. But he's tasting like ORS. So, don't get into mixtures if you want to appreciate the mind of God. Don't mix your mind with the mind of God. Maybe, for example, God said that what? When you're about to get married, don't do anything before that time. Don't go and look and see, hey, the support is cooking there. But you, you believe that in the way of the world, you have to sample before you get there so that you can know what you're going to deal with. Just, I need to know the size. So I have to go and check. You are diluting things. When you finish sampling, you want to come and stand in front of Apostle and Prophet Tiford and the ordained minister and they should wear their cassock and they should say, this marriage is blessed. You can be walking on the path of infertility. You are mixing the way of God and the way of the world. Then he said, don't sow your field with mixed seed. Don't sow what your field with mixed seed. What is seed? In the book of Luke chapter 8 verse 11, the Bible makes us understand that the seed is the word of God. So he said, don't sow your field with mixed seed. Don't mix your seed. Don't mix the word of God and other things. Me, I believe in the word of God and Socrates. When I put them together, it's a classic combination. Me, I believe in the word of God and Shatawali. When I add them together, hey, I'm wise. Me, I believe in the word of God and the saints of Elon Musk. When I put them together, hey, I'm so brilliant. The Bible says that don't mix the word of God. Don't mix the seed. The seed is the word. Don't mix it with the other ways of the world. Like a mingled seed, you have mixed it. And you are expecting results, but you will not get any results. It's like you get, maybe you get tears and the fruit, it, it, you, don't, you will not be able to see what is happening. 
Then he said, nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. I believe that this is more like your flesh. A garment is like your flesh. So don't mix fleshly things and spiritual things. Don't mix fleshly things and spiritual things. When you are in church, you are the best worshiper in the eyes of all of us. When you are at the places, you are also the best jammer there. If they are not careful, they will see you. You are standing on the table holding your cognac. Hey! You are the life of the party. I have a friend. He's the life of the party. If he comes here, we'll laugh. Huh? Hey! When you come to church, you are the life of the church. Hey! When they are worshiping, it's like, Charlie, you, God died for only you. You are on your knees. You are on your hands. So, it's like people don't even know whether you... Ah. What I see in the flesh today or is in the spirit. We don't... We, you have two garments on. You have the garment of the flesh and you have the garment of the spirit. And you are walking. Charlie, you are powerful. But the Bible said that when you come to God, you have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. And these are some of the things that we don't like to hear. Mortify means to kill the deeds of the flesh. Kill it. When you kill something, when you commit murder, you have ended the life of the thing. And the Bible is saying that kill it. Put an end to it. Don't mix it with spiritual things. You like gossiping, kill it. So me, I use my gossip to help church growth. When I speak about apostle and the ministers, it helps um, um, ICGC do certain things. They, their members sit up so that they know that anybody can easily move. So you see, I'm helping keep all the churches in check. Hey. Don't mix things. Don't love mixtures. Don't love mixtures. One of the things that happens when you start to love mixtures is that God will give you up. The Bible says in the book of Romans 1.28 that those who decided to love their own way, love their own thinking, love their own mind, the Bible says that God gave them up to a reprobate or to a debased mind. The word reprobate there, it means rogue. When they say something has gone, this guy has gone rogue. And we, we can't even put a leash around him. But If you are in my hometown of the United Kingdom, we'll say libertine. You have become libertine. That means you are, you are very wild. You are wild. Hey! You are in Spain, Charlie. You are, you are there. You are in the sea, Charlie. Hey, life. Let's enjoy ourselves. You have gone rogue. Bible said that the more they began to say, okay, let me do this thing. Bible said God gave them up to a reprobate or to a rogue mind. So they began to walk in a certain form of lifestyle. They thought that Charlie, this thing, nothing is wrong with it. Till the flood came. Then they realized that, mm. And you see, we see a lot of these things in the West, where many of us want to go to. I saw one article, for example. I sent it to some of the ministers. It said, woman who transitioned to man transitions to 
Something. I think they were able to. He said something like that. He said, woman who transitions to man. That means she has changed her sex to a man. Now the man has changed, or the female has changed. They have changed, or the she, she, he, she, they, shim. So he said, man who transitions to woman has now detransitioned. So I'm just asking myself, what is all this? Just make the forms easy, male, female. Let us go. But the moment you begin to say that, you know, you see me, I, I have a very good mind. You know, no, what God is saying, I don't believe it. This Bible people, they should stop these things. You see, maybe I can change the makeup. I can take off the breast. I can add more um, testosterone or something. Then I'll create this. The more you begin to think that way, God will just give you up. I won't be surprised if that woman who has transitioned to man, has now detransitioned to man, will transition again back to something, even animal. Because we like to follow our own mind or our own way. And the more we do that, the more God will give you up. All of a sudden, you'll start thinking, actually, everything I'm doing is normal. By the time you realize, it's too late. So the law of holiness, the law of recognizing that, you know what, this is God's mind. This is God's way. Let me follow only that one. Let me not add another thing to it. The more you begin to see that your mind is being renewed, it's being changed, it's being transformed to follow the way and the mind of God. Amen. Then the fifth point is you must love thinking in the word of God. Love thinking in the word of God. In the book of First Timothy chapter 4, and verse 15 to 16. 1 Timothy 4, 15 to 16. It says, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Can I get a different translation? Meditate on these things. Which things? The things in the word of God. It says, meditate on these things. Think in these things. Think on these things. Think around these things. Let all your thinking be in these things. He said, give yourself entirely to them so that your profiting, it will appear to all. Your profiting in your education, your profiting in your marriage, your profiting in your business, it will come by the more you give yourself to thinking in the word of God. Many of us sitting here, we don't like to think in the word of God. We like to think outside the box as we want to say. And for the sake of this discussion, let's say the box is the word of God. You like to think outside the box. You are very, very sharp. So you, dear Charlie, you always want to go the extra mile. So you think outside the box. You think outside the box. So God said, okay, in the beginning it was not so. One man, one wife. You say, no, no, no. You see me, I'm very deep. So I'm like Solomon. So I want to have more. 700, 300, I can, I can handle it. I can handle it. I'm, 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 I'm fine. Even though God has said that in the beginning, it was not so. But because you like to think outside the box, you always want to bring something, wow, hey, Charlie, this is very, it's very new. Hey, Charlie, hey, ask for your mind. Hey, maybe they should employ you at this one. You and, hey, 
But the Bible doesn't admonish us to do that. And you see, this thinking, it will only come by you reading. If you look at the verse 13 of this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, it said, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Give attention. What are you giving your attention to? What you are giving your attention to, it will shape how you think. Whatever you are giving your attention to, it will, to a large extent, it will shape how you think. Many of us, the way we think is because of the kind of things that we watch. You can be on Netflix from morning to evening. So everything that you are thinking about is just like how Netflix is. So, okay, I'm about to do my wedding. Um, I want to do it the way Stoneboy did it. Um, I'll have 10 flower girls, 10 page boys, 16 groomsmen, 16 bridesmaids. I want to have a horse carriage. Meanwhile, as we are talking, your budget in your account is 400 Ghana CDs. But because your thinking is, is centered around the world, it's centered around worldly standards, all that you think about is like that. <laughs> Meanwhile, you can see people like Mark Zuckerberg. And when you see Zuckerberg, he and his wife are just holding hands and then they are just laughing, wearing some t-shirts, say, oh, we are married. But you see, you, because of your thinking, you think that Charlie, I've hit jackpot. Hey, when I do this, I'll be the talk of town. Bella Niger, Bella Ghana, Bella the world, everybody will see me. Hmm. So you have to love thinking in the word of God. If you want this, your mind to be renewed, you must love thinking in the word of God. You have to allow the mind of the word of God to change or transform how you think. That is another step to pick up on the path or on the road to a renewed mind. I have three more points and then I'm done. The, th the sixth point, you have to set your mind on the kingdom of God. You have to be somebody who sets your mind on the kingdom of God. Set your mind on the kingdom of God. Set your mind. Every day your mind is on kingdom things. I've been working with Apostle and Prophet Eford and some of them and these people every day their mind is set on kingdom things. Sometimes a kind of money that they talk about, they say, this money has come. Charlie, we are going to put it here. I say, you are going to what? Like you are going to put, when you put it there, will it generate interest? Will the money transform? They say, no, we are just putting it there for, you know, everybody to be saved and everybody. I say, ah, but you can put it here. <laughs> because their minds are set on the kingdom. Their minds are set on things that are above. But as for you and I, our minds are set on things below. If, hey, Charlie, they say there's a new thing. Oh, Charlie, hey, Charlie, forget them all. Charlie, they say be how much? Oh, 600. Oh, Charlie, I go add my tight self to himself. This one, they're God, now you know. If you are here, you have been blessed by the word of God. You are here, you have a seed of a hundred CDs. Please bring it to the altar. Hmm. Who will buy that data that I need for me? I'm joking. And you, you even buy the data in the auditorium to let us know that you have the power to buy the data. 
as a person is calling for the seed and you are going, experts pay 100 Ghana CD, MTN. Every day, seed, 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 seed. Are you farmers? Then you are binding. Because you see, your mind is set on things below. So how can you now begin to even reason with God? How can you think the way God is thinking? How can your mind begin to process things the way God is processing things? The more you set your mind on things above, kingdom matters, the more your mind begins to be changed. Now, for example, when me, I get money, I say, okay, hey, no, God first. This thing, I have to give something to God. I have to do something to God, for God. And it is, that's what happens in my, in my house. There's no discussion. If I see big money, for example, kai, God first. Small money, God first. That should be your thinking. Your business can even be dying. Ah, I won't even see it, Krapo. Yeah. I'll carry the money like I say, Charlie, and put it where you know the, the Bible said that, and they place the money at the apostles' feet. But you see, there's an interesting part about that scripture. The Bible says that, and the more they put the money at the apostles' feet, nobody had need. It's not one kind of Bible, so you don't know where it is. The Bible said that the more they put the money where it should be. So I'm telling you a secret. Money should be under your feet. But most of you, money is in your pocket. In your account. In your wallet. Hey. If you come to fall down, you remove your money from your pocket first. And make sure, hey, Charlie, this money cannot touch the ground. But the Bible says that what? We should set our minds on things above. The more you set your minds on things above, the more you begin to think the way God thinks. Search after the things that God is searching after. Your mind is rewired. In Matthew 6.33, which I believe most of us know, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things that the Gentiles seek after. It shall be added unto you. What are the Gentiles seeking after? Money, cars, homes, phones, Stones, land, whatever it is that the Gentiles are saying, Bible says it will be added bonus. That's why the Bible can say, labor not to be rich. Then the seventh point is you have to be ready to repent whenever God tells you in your journey that this is not the way I want you to do things. This is not the step I wanted you to take. You have to be somebody who is ready to repent. And what does repentance mean? You are turning around from that way that you are going. Maybe you are going to Wale Wale. God said, don't go to Wale Wale. Ten. You say that, oh, I'll pass through Wale Wale. Then I'll go through Nakanduri. Then I'll come down through Bumpurugu. Then I'll come. No, you see. No. He said ten. Just ten. The more you are able to do that easily, the more God can help you see that this is how I wanted you to do it. Many of us, the reason why God cannot show us certain things about how he's working is because we are not ready to repent even if he shows us. Oh, I've been dating this girl for six years. Six years. God, you want me to leave her now? Do you know the investment I've made? Do you know the amount of a corner I've bought for her? The amount of things I've stolen from Fifi's shop for her? The amount of money that my father gave me to give as offering, I gave it to this girl. I should leave her now. Unless you send Jesus again, I will not do this thing. 
You have to be somebody who is ready to repent. Ready. I didn't say thinking about ready. Kweku, this thing you didn't do it well. Father, I'm sorry. How did you want me to do it? Okay, I want you to do it this way. Some of us, God has to send prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists, Jesus himself. Still, you not turn from your way. But you believe that by some strange design, your mind and God's mind, it should be moving in the same way. It's not possible. It is never possible. It is what? Never possible. In the book of Acts chapter 3, from verse 11, Peter had just done a very powerful miracle. And then the people asked them, so what can we do to, to be saved? He said, repent. And they said, we are, we are ready. That is the kind of disposition we should all have. When God shows you something that this thing, it should be done this way. Be ready. Don't say that, oh, next time. No. Deal with it there and then. Then you can begin to understand the way God thinks or the way God does certain things. Amen. And then my final point on the path or developing a renewed mind is you have to subscribe to the law of non-conformity. You have to subscribe to the law of non-conformity. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, I believe which we've read, he said, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. He said, and do not be conformed to this world. Do we have the message translation? Is this the message? Okay. He said, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become what? So well adjusted with your culture or to your culture so that you can fit into it without thinking. Some of us, this is our current condition. We fit into pop culture very well. We fit into Western culture very well. We fit into African culture very well. Hey, we are the perfect fit. We are the final piece that makes the puzzle solved. We fit into it very well. Every pattern of the world, you are the best person who can follow it. Every pattern. There's a new dance that has come. You are the first person to learn it. I heard. You are the first person to learn the dance. One legged, you are the first person to learn the dance. You even bring it to the church. Charlie, shall we learn one legged today? Everything that the world says that this is the way we are going. You are, the first, you are in the driver's seat. You are even carrying people. Hey, let's go. They say, the world, we are all going here. You will be the person to drive people to that. But the Bible is saying that you must be somebody who breaks the law of following the patterns of the world. So he said, do not be conformed. He said, don't become so well adjusted. In other words, when you come into the world, don't become so comfortable with the world. Charlie, without the comfortable things in the world, I told you, dear Charlie, you can't live. 
Hey, Charlie, my phone is not around me. Hey, what will I do? Charlie, hey, do you know my message I've missed? Hey, the calls. Hey, Charlie, I need to send us an, an update on WhatsApp. Wow, Charlie, I'm feeling so flushed right now. What can I do? But the day your Bible is missing, oh, my mother will find it for me on Sunday. Say Sunday is when we are going. Sunday, right? What time? Eight, nine, six, ten. Mika, I'll come late. I'll come late. I want to be fashionably late. So when the pastor is preaching, that's when I want to come in. Yeah. So you did. That's the time that you pick. But the Bible said that don't follow the patterns of the world. Don't become so well adjusted. Be somebody who breaks the molds of the world. So again, in the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 2, it said, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. He said, don't suffer. Let's go back to that version. He said, don't suffer along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. And you see, there's wisdom in this because the Bible says that the things that we see, they are what? Eesh. There was a problem. The things that we see, they are temporal. That means if something is temporal, that means it comes and then it goes. Do you understand? For example, beard. We are not the first people to wear beard, myself and Reverend Keith and some of you. No, we are not the we are not the oh, Charlie, we brought beard culture into the world. Oh. Hey, Charlie, we are we are we are we are, we are what's up? No. Beard has been there. It came, it went. Another generation will come, beard will come, it will go. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the things that we are seeing, they are temporal, they are fleeting. But the things which cannot see, Bible says that those things rather, they are eternal. So if we are speaking about things like salvation, we are speaking about things like giving, sacrifice, speaking about things like honor, Bible is saying that those things, they are eternal. In other words, when you die and you live here, you go and realize that they are doing those same things there. So the more you give attention to those things, it will be better for you than you shuffling your eyes along the ground and being concerned with the things that are around you. Breaking the law of non-conformity. Of conformity. Don't conform to the world. The Bible said that that is also one of the things that you must pick up on the journey to developing a renewed mind. Make sure that your eyes, they are always fixed on God. And then I want to end with this. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16. Bible says that for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. Then he ends with this. He said, but we have the mind of Christ. But I want to ask a question. How many of us are experiencing all the benefits of the mind of Christ? How many of us can say that truly you have the mind of Christ? Not the mind of AC. Not the mind of Andrew. You have the mind. And you can say that you, you are walking in all the fullness of the mind of God. And the church will be quiet. So, on the journey to having or developing a renewed mind, I believe that these are some of the points. I mean, they are not exhaustive. 
somebody else can come and add more to it. But these are some of the things that I believe that you are to watch out for. Number one, forsake your old mind. Number two, know there. Number three, the law of recognition. Number four, Number five, number six, number seven, and the final point, amen. Shall we be on our feet? Want to enter into a time of prayer? Want to ask God for just one thing, just one thing. We want the complete transformation that God promises in his word to take place. I believe that if we experience this new beginnings that we are talking about, if we experience the reality of God's fire, and our lives will truly be transformed, we have to activate this mind of God that is in the word of God. So we are praying to God and we are asking God that, Father, let the mind of Christ, which is in me, be activated. Let the mind of Christ, which is in me, let it come alive. As I forsake my old way, as I forsake my thoughts, as I forsake the patterns of the world, and I pick up your pattern, as I pick up your thoughts, as I pick up your ways, let the mind of God, let the mind of Christ, let it be activated and let it come alive. I just want us to pray this short prayer and then we'll pray for some few people and then we are out of here. As I forsake my thoughts, as I forsake the patterns of the world, and I pick up your pattern, as I pick up your thoughts, as I pick up your ways, let the mind of God, let the mind of Christ, let it be activated and let it come alive. I just want us to pray this short prayer and then we'll pray for some few people and then we are out of here. Thank you for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this, share it with someone and be an agent of impactful change for the kingdom of God. God bless you.